How you guys doing? It is great to see you guys. Thanks for being here. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Thanks for being a part as well as our online campus. Thanks, guys, for being a part as well. So just glad you guys are here. We're so excited about this message. God's just been doing something really special all weekend. Really, it started last week. God just kind of just started doing something. I feel like he just kind of took over the series, which I love that. And uh, it's really been neat to see what God's doing. And last week I told you that this week I believe God gave me a specific message to give you as well. And so maybe you're just now joining us or maybe you were here last week uh, and you've been here through this whole thing. But either way, I believe that God has brought us together today for me to tell you that your dry season ends today. Your dry season is over. How's that sound? I believe that. I truly do. Please pull out your notes if you would. Let's say a mission statement together as a church. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. There was a businessman who was in need of a million dollars. He was like, oh, man, I don't know how, where, what I'm, what I'm going to do. They, they had a, a real problem in the business. And so he called his bank. The banker, of course, said no. He called several other banks. They all said no. He called some wealthy friends of his that were like angel investors. They, they said they would not do it either. He was desperate. So he's driving down the road, and he's just in total desperation. He looks over and sees this old, big chapel. And he's like, I'm desperate. So he pulls over. And he goes in, hadn't been to church in years, and he walks in and gets on his knees and he begins to pray. And he notices there's a guy that slips in right behind him as well, kind of an older gentleman, uh, looks a little disheveled, kind of older clothes, looked maybe homeless. He wasn't sure, but just a little bit destitute. And he begins to pray and he's like, God, you know I need, and right about the time he said that, he hears the guy next to him a few feet over say, Lord, you know I need $100. Would you just give me $100? And he's sitting there, he hears him, he's like, so he gets up, pulls out his wallet, and he says, hey, man, come here. Here's $100. He gives him 100 bucks. The guy's like, oh, praise the Lord, he answered my prayer. And he runs out all excited. And then the businessman goes back, gets on his knees again. Okay, Lord, now that I have your undivided attention, I need a million dollars. How many of you guys feel that way? Anybody need un God's undivided attention right now? I'm praying that God does something specifically for you Today, I don't believe it's an accident that you've tuned in on television or online or however you're watching or hearing this. I don't believe it's an accident that you are hearing this now. In fact, the word says, it says in the Bible that the word goes out and it does not return void. Now, in case you're wondering, what does that mean? It means that when God's teaching of his truth goes out, it, it, it always has impact. It always relates to the person hearing it, which means that if God... Here's how I know God's in this for you. If God put it on my heart to share with you that the dry season's over and you happen to have been here or be watching this online or on television, you hear this, then that means this is a word for you, specifically, that God has it for you, that your dry season is over. And so let's talk about that today. Pull out your notes if you would. Let's dive right into the scripture. Let's start off in 1 Kings 17, verse 1. This is a guy named Elijah. He's the prophet of God. He's coming face to face with the king, King Ahab, uh, was not honoring God. His wife certainly wasn't either. And King Ahab was torn between his wife, uh, who was not a nice woman and, uh, and, and also had believed in false worship of Baal, this false god. And uh, Ahab's, Ahab's problem wasn't that he was morally weak, by the way. I don't have time to unpack all this, but he wasn't morally weak. That wasn't his problem. He wasn't, it wasn't he was a sinner. His problem was that he was weak as a man. 
He just was unwilling to do the right thing. Sometimes it's hard for people just to stand up for truth and stand up for what was right. He knew it was right. He wouldn't do it. So he had great respect for Elijah and God's word, but yet he also was fearful of his own life and of those who supported her worshiping this false god. So, but look what happens here in 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Wow. He says, we're drying it up. God told me to tell you no more rain. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you and I, but if you're a farmer, that's a very big deal. And that was their entire economy was built on farming. I mean, saying that there is no rain in Israel is like saying there is no more gambling in Vegas. It's like, what's the economy then? Right? I mean, like, that's what we do here. And so they didn't have rain, and so it just dried up the whole town, and it, it, was, it was a miserable experience. They, they were hurting. And so, but I also want to point out, and I don't have time to go into the whole story, but Elijah, at this point, there's a very famous story about him where he becomes like the heavyweight champ prophet of the world and conquers 400 false prophets. Pretty amazing story. I don't want time to unpack it, but I'll just tell you this. All that happened during the dry season. So apparently God can be with you during a dry season. So don't think for a second, oh, I need the Lord to make it rain because then he shows up. No, no, he's been with you all along. Some of you right now are thinking, man, I lost my job. I'm barely making it. I mean, where's God in all this? Well, you're barely making it. It means you're making it. It means that God's providing for you. You need to be appreciative of what God's done for you. Well, I, I can barely put food on the table, but food's on the table, which means that there's a God providing for you. See, we forget that, right? Oh, I've been lonely and I just, uh, I just cry out to God to sustain me. I'm just barely making it. But you know what? God's with you. See, we forget that God's not just with us during the good times. He's with us during the hard times. He becomes more real to you there in difficulties than any other time. And so that means God is still with you. So as I talk about God bring, bringing rain upon your life, it doesn't mean God's not with you. God's already with you. But he does want to bring rain upon you as well. And so understand that God has a promise for you. And so number one, would you write this down? Don't give up on your promise from God. Instead, pray and act with persistence. So if you're going to pray for rain, carry an umbrella. You got to believe that God's going to do something, right? Now, one of the things that the people of Israel were dealing with is that they were not honoring God. This is why when Elijah said in 1 Kings 17, 1, he said, the God I serve, he was saying, I know you're not serving the God I'm serving, Ahab, but the God of Israel is to be worshiped and worshiped only, and you're serving Baal. You're letting that happen right under your nose, man. You're the, you're the leader around here, and you let that happen under your watch. And so what we allow to happen, we are giving homage to, we're giving honor. We're, you, you may say, well, I don't like that my kids do this, but are you allowing it? I don't like that this goes on in my company, but are you allowing it? I don't like what's happening in my community, but are we allowing it? I know we can't just force our hand on everything, but you do have a vote, don't you? I mean, we should make our, 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 our thoughts known, right? Shouldn't we stand up for truth? And so what's happening here, by the way, is you've got a prophet, you've got the church, you've got a leader in the, in the church confronting the government because the government's turning against God. And so you got this prophet and, and, and the church and the government are going uh, directly against each other. Oh, I could preach a sermon right now, but I won't. But when that happens, you need to know that the church will win. God's word will win. God's going to get his way. Okay, so we need to not be intimidated by this world. And so here you've got Elijah standing up for truth right to the king's face. Kind of cool, by the way, that not only does he uh, come face to face with all these Baal worshipers and this false god, but he confronts them and beats them, basically. It's an amazing story. You should read it on your own time. It's amazing. But he beats them and literally has all the false prophets killed. I mean, poof, he ain't messing around, right? 
course, this infuriates Ahab's wife, who is out to get him. You just can't stand him, right? But in, in that battle, Elijah says something to the people of Israel. He says in 1 Kings 18, 21, how long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. You know what makes you limp is when you're torn between two different gods. What, what, what slows you down, in other words? It's like you, you're, you're crippling yourself when you say you want to follow God, but yet you still have a false idol in your life. So you're crippling yourself. And so this is really important. Would you write this down? You got to let go of your Baal. Baal was a false god. It was basically compromised. And see God open doors for you if you're willing to let go of your Baal. Let me ask you something. What have you let go of lately? Is there anything in your life you need to let go of? Because you can't enter your future if you're still holding on to your past. But be willing to let go of some stuff. Now, some of you right now are thinking, okay, this false god thing. I would never worship a false god. That doesn't happen in today's culture. 2018, Pastor Bill, no one's worshiping false gods. You sure about that? You know what Baal worship was, by the way? Let me describe it for you. Baal worship, Baal was considered a fertility god. It was a sex god where you worshiped him. And so how'd you worship this, this god? By having sex. That's how you worship him. And so what they would do is they would, have these, they would have these house of Baal, they call them. You go into this house and it would have what's called an Asherah pole. And they would have temple prostitutes that would swing around on the pole. And then you bring your offering and lay it at her feet. <laughs> it's a good thing that's not happening today. <laughs> and so that's exactly what they did in Baal worship. Another term used to, to, refer, to refer to this is called pornea. Hmm, that sounds vaguely familiar. There's a lot of bell worship going on in there. And so my question for you today is, are you willing to let go of your compromise? Because if not, you need to know something. The longer you hold on to your compromise, you are extending your dry season by choice. But if you let go of some things, God can rain down his blessing upon you. And I believe God's already going to rain down some blessings upon his church, but don't don't forget that just because God wants to rain down his blessings upon all of his people, oh, he'll let a dry spot happen right over you if you don't obey him. So I don't know about you, but since he can pinpoint blessings and pinpoint dryness and pinpoint rain, I'd rather be in his reign. How about you? So I got to be willing to let go of, of my bail. Are you willing to let go of your bail? Doesn't mean we're not human. Doesn't mean we're not going to struggle. There's a difference between struggling with bail and making bail your God. Don't confuse that. We're all going to have temptations. Don't make it your God. I want to encourage you today to make a decision. To make a decision to say, God, I know where you want to take me. This can't go. So I need to let go of something. Right now, someone's watching online. Time to let go. Time to go and flush what you know you got, you know, in your closet right now. Flush it down the toilet. Get rid of it. Get rid of the stash. It's not honoring God. Delete your dealer's name and number from your phone. Do what you need to do. Let go of it. You're bigger and you're better than this and God has a future for you and you need to let go of it. God has something better for you. He really does. Now look what happens next. First Kings 18. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Now at this point, you know, Ahab's like, what? Yeah, it's not raining. I mean, saying it's raining in Israel right at this moment would be like telling, me telling you today, by the way, go get your coats on. It's about to get really cold. You'd be like, no, it's not, Pastor. It's far from cold outside, right? There's no signs of that. So there's no signs of rain at all. And he says, get ready, it's going to rain. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look towards the sea. The servant went and looked, then re returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go back and to go and look. He said, hey, 
go check. While I'm praying and asking God to bring rain, would you go check right now, go across the mountain real quick and just check and see if you see any signs of rain. Like, are there clouds forming yet, right? So the servant's like, yes, sir. So he goes, you know, uh, some distance uh, of some sort, because Elijah couldn't see where he was, so I guess he goes around the mountain or whatever. He comes around, he looks, and he's like, I don't see anything. He goes all the way back to Elijah and says, sir, I don't, I don't see anything. He said, hmm, okay, let me keep praying. Go back and look again. He's like, okay. So he goes and looks again, right? Now, the second time, he's probably like, all right, that's fine. But then it happens again, the third time. I mean, at what point, how many times then do you start to go, you know, why am I even doing this? Like, he keeps asking me to go look. There's nothing to see there, you know. And so the third time happens, then the fourth time, then the this time, six times in, can you go look one more time? Let me ask you something. Which time would you have given up on? Well, Lord, I'm trusting you for a godly man, godly one in my life, but I've already had one bad relationship and I tried again and now I got two and now I'm my third and now I'm my fourth. Do you still trust God? See, you know what we do? We give up, don't we? And then we say, well, I'll just take it in my own hands again. This isn't working out. I'm on, I mean, God's surely not going to come through. I'm on, I'm on try number four, try number five. I'm just going to try my own way. Cool. How's that working for you? How's that working out? Trying to convince someone to be godly. Trying to make someone spiritual that's not. How's that working? See, the truth is we give up and then we try to take things in our own hands, don't we? We try to make a job work, make a career work, make a relationship work, make something work instead of trusting in God. And so we've got to keep holding on and staying persistent and still believe in God. And you may say, well, how many times do I got to go? One, two, three, four, five, six times. Six, by the way, in the Bible refers to all a man's efforts. And seven is the number of completion when God gets involved. Did you know that? And so we got to keep hanging in. We've got to stay faithful and still believe. You see, the truth is, is the reason why you haven't seen it rain yet, you don't believe. You got to act with belief and God will come through for you. Your lack of belief extends the dry season. Your belief gives God opportunity. Even Jesus would go to a town and go, hey, I got to leave. Why? My miracles aren't working here. Jesus actually had his miracles not work yet because he said they don't believe. Belief, faith. Is the, is the highway by which God delivers his goods to you. You have to have faith to believe it. So we have to still believe that God wants to do something big in our life. And by the way, your own mouth is giving you away, whether you still believe or not. It's really true. So at this point, Elijah says, go check again. His mouth is giving him away. He still believes. No, no, go check again. Uh, sir, there wasn't anything. Okay, go look again. He will not give up. He's like, no, I know my God. Go look again. Seven times. Now, seven doesn't, doesn't refer to amount of time. People always say, well, how long do I have to wait for God to come through in this area of my life, right? One year, two years, three years, four years. Maybe, maybe it refers to years. So seven years? No, it doesn't refer to years. It doesn't refer to months. It doesn't refer to time or hours. And so we think, well, how long do we go from six to seven where God gets involved and does something big? But we keep thinking length of time has to be fulfilled. But what God's trying to fulfill is your faith. So we have to keep believing. It's not about fulfilling a calendar. It's about fulfilling your faith. And so God, I know you're trying to get tasks done, but God's trying to get you done. So it says you still have to have faith. Someone needs to receive this today because I believe I'm speaking God's truth to you that you need to receive. We have to still believe and still have the faith. Look what happens, 1 Kings 18. Finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. What? 
So not only, okay, I already told him it's going to rain. Now I told him, get home quick or you're going to be stuck, you're going to be stuck in the mud because, it, you know, there are streets for mud. And so he said, you're going to get stuck in the mud. You're going to get, you know, the torrential downpour. The floods are going to stop you. Like, are you, I mean, this is just mind-blowingly ridiculous. And it was like, there's, it's dry as can be. We're importing water and you're saying it's going to flood today. This is crazy. But he actually listened to the prophet which means that we know that Ahab was a man who believed in God. He just was weak. He just also didn't know how to turn to his wife and say, uh-uh, no more false gods. And so basically he did listen to him at this moment. And so look what happens next. This is unbelievable. And so that, that, that man's hand, well, I just want to mention this about the man's hand. Sorry, I don't want to go past this. So the man's hand is a big deal. God wants his hand in your life, right? Let me show you scripture where we also see the same type of hand referred to. It's in Ezekiel. Ezekiel has a dream that God gives him, a vision, if you will, and where he goes to the temple. And look what it talks about how the temple's built. It says, this is in the King Jimmy version, it says, declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel and behold a wall on the outside of the house round about. And in the man's hand, a measuring reed of six cubits long by the cubit and, and an enhanced breadth, I'm sorry, and a hand breadth. What's a hand breadth? That means a cubit and a hand breadth. So he measured the breadth of the building, one reed and the height, one reed. So he's measuring it. So when you build a building back in the day, okay, back in Israel, you would build it based upon a cubit. You know what a cubit is? Anybody know? Let me tell you what a cubit is. Put your hand up like this. That's a cubit, okay? Actually, this is how you measure a cubit, but the cubit actually looks like this. Take your hand like this, put your thumb in. Would you do that real quick? And shit, your hand is six cubits. You got to do it tight, though, to get the six, okay? So here we go. We'll go one, two, three, four, five, six. From the top of your fingertip to your elbow, right? And so we've got six cubits, perfect. And so, by the way, you know why they did this? Because you have your measuring stick everywhere you go. So we need to build something. You're like, well, how long is that? Well, hold on, let me see. Okay, so we're going uh, six cubits and one... Yeah, we're going seven cubits, right? So when you built a home, you would use a cubit. It would be six cubits, and it would be how many cubits? You know, six times six cubits, that kind of thing, right? And that's how they would do it. Six cubits high, six cubits wide by six cubits per measure. So you six by six by six. That doesn't sound good, does it? Because that's all a man's efforts only. But if you add a hand breadth, if you have one more hand. So when you build God's house, he says, make sure you do all that you can, but then make sure you leave room for my hand. So the church was always built with the six cubits and a hand breadth, one more, and it's the hand of God. I don't wanna see this church without the hand of God added to all that we're doing. How about you? We need that. So the same the same hand that God builds his church. Well, you are the church. He builds his people. So when the servant comes back, he says, I, I did see one cloud. Well, how big was it? It was the size of a hand breadth. Really? Yeah, it was just big enough for God to show up. God is in this. I see his hand. Number two, look for his hand. We have to look for the hand of God because God wants to show up and do something that only he can do. He wants his house built on uh, with his hand involved. Let me ask you something. Are you making plans without God, God's hand in it? Maybe your math doesn't add up. I'm trusting God for this and for this and that. And the math doesn't add up. But that's because you hadn't got God's hand in it yet. You keep trying to do the math without God. But once you add God's hand in it, all of a sudden everything evens out, Right? And so you just have to add God's hand in this. Well, I'm single. I've been in this town. There's just not a lot of single 
Christian men or women, I mean, I, just, I don't know what I can do. I just don't think so. Well, that's because you hadn't had God's hand yet. But God's hand can have one. Oh, there's just not a lot. Well, you only need one. You don't need a million. You need one. And so God's hand can get involved and he can line that up for you, can he? You got to trust God. And so whatever it is that you're, you're trying to calculate without God, you need to know if you want the miracles of God in your life, you got to make room for his hand. Make room for God to move. Oh, Lord, I want you to do something in my marriage. When's the last time you prayed with your spouse? You know what you do when you pray with your spouse? You just invited God's hand in your marriage. You tried everything else. Why don't you try that? Make room for God's hand and he will do great things. In the Talmud, which is a Jewish book, it tells a story. Talmud, think about the Talmud like, a, like an additional book. It's not as holy as the Bible, but it's like the historic laws and the historic stories of the Jewish people is continued in the Talmud, but it's not, it's not the Bible. Don't, don't confuse that. But the Talmud tells a great Jewish historic story that actually happened, really, really powerful story. There was a, a priest, his name was Honi, but, we, but they would actually say, Honi, Honi, say that, Honi, because it was C-H-O-N-I, but actually we would say it like Honi. So there was a, a, a priest named Honi. Now, when I say priest, we imagine like a Jewish priest is, you know, nice guy, Runs a local temple here. Great. You know, I've, I've met the priest here. One of them is a really nice guy, good guy. You know, when he's around town, you may know some Those of you are Jewish, you go, oh, that's a priest. You know, that's kind of cool. But if you're in Israel and the priest shows up, it's a big deal. They're like, oh, the priest just walked by. What? Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, that's him. How'd you know? Look at all those men around them protecting him. I mean, they walk around like they're the president. They're like a really big deal. So this particular time, it was the first century, and Israel was in a dry season. See, the winter season in Israel is when it rains. And it was dry and it hadn't rained for a very long time. And the people of Israel were really hurting. And so Honi decided to leave the temple and do something very bold. He left the temple. And when he came out, they were all like, Honi's outside the temple. That never happens. So you see him and he comes down. He comes all the way down to the center of the square there in Israel. And he stands in front of everyone. People just gather around. No one, he doesn't have to say gather around. They just do because they think he's probably going to tell us something. Because that's how powerful he was. And he was a man of God. And they wanted to hear what he had to say. So they gathered around. And he immediately just put his hands up and said, oh, God of Israel, we need you to cause it to rain. Will you rain down your goodness and blessing upon your people? I'm sure when he began to pray that prayer, many people probably bowed their heads and said, oh, yes, Lord, please cause it to rain. Because if it didn't rain, they were in trouble, right? I mean, we got crops that we need to grow, to have an economy, to provide for our families. It's a big deal. And there was no rain. And so then Honey did something that no one expected, that he almost got excommunicated from even being a priest in the temple because of the boldness of what he did next. He took his finger and he reached down into the ground with all the people around him, and he began to draw a circle all the way around him. People were wondering, what is he doing? And as he got the circle completed, he stood in the middle of it, raised his hands again and said, Oh God of Israel, I believe in you and I ask you to cause it to rain your goodness and your blessing on your people today. And Lord, I will not leave this circle until you cause it to rain. The whole crowd. <gasps> he just demanded something of God. You don't do that. What kind of heresy is this? that you would demand something of God. But right about the time as some of the other priests around him began to get angry and some of the religious leaders began to think he did not just do that. 
as they began to get angry, he lifted his hands, and as he lifted his hands, it began to drizzle. People were shocked. And as it began to drizzle, he, with his hands up, he said, God, that's not what I asked for. God of Israel, please cause it to rain your goodness and your blessings upon us. Then it began to pour and pour and pour, and puddles of water began to fill up all around them. A miniature flood was happening right in front of their eyes. Within minutes, the rain was coming down so hard. Then he raised his hands again and said, God, that's not what I asked for. Would you cause it to rain goodness and blessing upon your people, realizing that the crops would be crushed by this rain being this hard, and the rain calmed and steadied, and it rained all day and all night. In fact, he then left the circle that was washed away at this point, went back to the temple with massive authority. A, a day later, they came to Honey and found him and said, Sir, it won't stop raining. Do you mind stepping out and asking God <laughs> to cause the rain to stop? Talk about authority. He believed God when no one else did. He was willing to put himself on the line when no one else was. And here's what I did last week, folks. I drew a circle around our church and I'm asking God to rain his blessings down upon his people in the name of Jesus. And I believe he is. I truly do. Back to Elijah. He prayed that prayer. He waited to see that cloud. The hand of God came and it began to rain. As that happened, God spoke to Elijah. And this is what happened. As soon as the sky was black with clouds, a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt. That means he girded up his loins, basically. They had these big robes. He tucked it in, tucked it in his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. So he beat Jezreel's horse. Like that's like Usain Bolt running. <laughs> he ran ahead of the chariot. Why would he do that? Because he wanted to get to the front of the castle where the king lived before he entered to say, this was not just for the people of Israel. So you know that there's a God you should be serving. So that's why he would go confront Ahab right where he was going to say, don't you run off and ignore what's going on. God did this and I told you it was going to happen. It's exactly what God said because his word is always true. So he wanted them to know that. But God gave him the ability to run when God began to bless him. Number three, quit being casual with God's blessing. Run with it. Some of you are like, I want God to rain down blessing upon me. Maybe God did rain down blessings on you, but you become casual with this blessing. You're not running with it. Remember the years ago when you prayed, oh God, please give me a, a man and woman in my life. And now you're married and now you're treating that casual. Rather than seeing that as a blessing from God. Oh God, please just give us children. God gave you children and now you, you treat it so casually. You just, eh, what's the big deal? You know, rather than seeing that as a sacred trust. Maybe you don't recognize the gift that God's given you of purity or a second chance at purity. And you're casual with it. Oh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I know this movie's not the best, but uh, it's not a big deal. You sure about that? Are you being casual with the purity God's given you? Have you become casual with the tithe? Well, if I have a little tithe, if I don't, are you sure about that? Did you want God's blessing rain down upon you? But yet you want to be casual with the tithe when the very area you're asking God to bless you in is financial and yet you want to blow him off financially? It doesn't work like that. God wants you to be faithful 
See, if you believe God's going to bless you in a financial way, then you're putting your foot on the gas for him to do that. But then when you don't tithe, you're putting your foot on the brake at the same time, you're spinning your wheels. You're not going to get where God wants to take you. Have you become casual with God's reign rather than running with it? God does something fresh for you today. I believe that. I'm drawing the circle around you, and I believe God does something right now for you in your life. And if you believe that with me, would you stand in your circle and lift your arms to God, just like Holy did, and say, God, please rain down blessings upon me. I am asking God in the name of Jesus to rain down blessings upon all of our campuses right now, to rain down blessings upon His people. Will you stand in honor of that and say, God, please rain down your blessings on me. May the dry season end today. Lord, rain down your blessings upon your people. Somebody needs to honor God today. Somebody needs to recognize the Lord moving in their life today. We're opening up the altar at all of our campuses right now. And some of you have grown casual with the Lord and you want you to come before the throne and say, God, I am sorry. I want to honor you. If that is you, you come forward now and you honor God. I've grown casual in my marriage. I've grown casual in my walk with you. I've grown casual with the tithe. I've grown casual in honoring you with my eyes and my thoughts. I've grown casual with the church, thinking I can just come here and there and rather than recognize that I'm entering the very presence of God and that's a big deal and I need to be consistent. I need to not be casual. You come forward, you honor God right now. You do what the Lord's leading you to do. Don't be casual with what God has made sacred. It's time for us to take this serious. God wants to do His work in your life, but you have to be willing to recognize it. Gird up your loins, get ready to run. Honor God. Oh God, you're raining down your blessings on your people right now. I see it and I sense it. Band, come forward, please lead us. Would you do that? And as we sing to God, would you just ask Him to rain down His blessings upon you as He does business with you, as He calls you to account, just like we called Ahab. These are God's people. No more Baal worship. No more compromise, Lord. This is for you. We are your people. Rain down your blessings.
Oh, it's raining. It's raining in Rockfield right now. It's raining in Padre Island. It's raining in San Antonio right now. It's raining at your campus right now. It's raining in Rockport. It's raining right here at Broadcast. It's raining online. You may cause you may have a rainstorm going on in your living room right now. God is raining down on his people. Do you receive it? I know I do. Praise God. Praise God. Would you take a moment and bow your heads with me? And as we take this time to pray, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, don't miss out on this. God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you and for me. He paid the price for our sin at the cross. Now he waits for you to simply receive him. You can pray this prayer. We're gonna lead you in this prayer together right now. Would you pray this prayer with us? Say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, then Christ has come in your life. Maybe today you're already a Christ follower and you needed this today. And I declare over every one of you right now that can hear my voice in the name of Jesus, the dry spell is over. The rain has come. Run with it. God's blessing is on you. Receive that today. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the privilege it is to step into the prophetic and just recognize when you're doing something that's bigger than all of us, God. We acknowledge that. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you that we can be rained down upon your blessings, your goodness on our lives. So Lord, we circle around right now. We just draw a circle around our feet and we ask you, God, to bring revival in our circle. God, renew us. Fill us with your presence. As you do that, God, thank you that your presence is with us. Got good news for you. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, you feel his presence, then you'll feel his power. I sense his power with us right now. And then God gives you his permission which is his divine yes, that he has called you to do something, to run with something. And so this week, I wanna challenge you to do something different, to get a different result, to believe God in your life again and act on it. Don't pray for rain and not carry an umbrella, you act on it. You step out in faith and you do what God's leading you to do. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you're raining down blessings upon your people today. In your name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may have a seat. Let's give a hand to those who have come forward at all of our campuses. Give them a hand. Come on, guys. Let's do that. So grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Let's give it up for our band real quick. Thank you, guys. So grateful for you.